Hello and welcome to the Modern Casanova podcast with me, Troy Francis, and welcome back to the show. I hope that you are having a great start to the week. Apologies, this one is ever so slightly late. Um, I'm in Berlin again. I've been doing a little bit of travelling around, which I've been... um, I had to go back to London last week um, from Berlin to vote in the election, which I think is an important thing to do, although... As you may have seen from the outcome of that election, it seems to have created more confusion perhaps than certainty, but anyway. And I had a couple of things to do in London, and then I came back over to Berlin on Saturday night, and I'm spending the rest of this week here. So it's really good to to be here, and um, I had a slight backlog of work to do after the weekend, so I'm putting out the show now, but I hope um, it will bring lots of value to you. Um, Parish notice, before we get into today's topic, is that my book, The Seven Laws of Seduction, which is the first game book that I wrote, is now finally available in paperback. So hopefully that's great news for a lot of the guys that contacted me Uh, or have contacted me over the last couple of years, um, as it is to say, you know, they really want to read the book, but they don't have a Kindle, they don't like reading on Kindle, Um, you know, whatever it is, they they prefer to read a a print copy of the book. Well, finally now, that is available. So if you go to Amazon, you can pick up a copy now, uh, you'll also see that the cover's been, been redesigned. If, you've, um, if you're familiar with the old cover, you'll see that the cover has been completely redesigned by a guy called Adrian, who I'm working with, who has done the artwork for Seven Laws of Seduction and also the artwork for How to Get Hot Girls Into Bed. Uh, he's a really talented guy. He's done some great artwork, I think, for those two books, um, and I'm really happy with the the artwork for Seven Laws of Seduction. So if you haven't got it already, worth going over to Amazon to have a look at Seven Laws of Seduction and pick up your copy. Obviously still available as an ebook. You can still read it on Kindle, uh, but it is there as a paperback now as well. So you've got the option between the two. So whatever's more comfortable for you. And the way I would present it is to say Seven Laws of Seduction is my method book, if you like. It's my textbook. So if you want a real nitty-gritty basic primer in game, in seduction, in how to prepare, get your inner game right, how to approach, what to say, what to do, how to organize the date, what to do on the date, how to escalate, etc., etc., then The Seven Laws of Seduction is really the book that you need because it lays it out very, very clearly. Um, There are seven, as the title suggests, laws of how to put together an entire seduction from meeting to sex, effectively and beyond. So you get a very clear outline of how to do that. Um, I've also included personal stories from my own uh, pickup journey, if you like. So each of the seven points or the seven laws is illustrated with a real life example of something that happened to me. So I've got some little field reports in there as well, which I hope that you find useful and entertaining and maybe a bit inspiring as well. 
And there's also a cheat sheet at the end of each chapter which goes through the major points that have been uh, discussed in that chapter. So um, you get that as well to, to just to bullet point the ideas that have been discussed and recommended in, in the particular chapter. So, as I say, now available both as a Kindle ebook, but also now as a paperback too. Fully redesigned cover, so if you haven't already, please go over to Amazon and have a look. And if you buy the book, or if you've already bought the book and read it, um, if you can take the time to leave me a review on Amazon, that would be absolutely fantastic. And the reason why is because it will really help me to attract new readers, if you like, uh, to, to spread the word further, to grow the audience. And in doing that, that will help to support me in creating further content that I hope is really useful, you know, for you, for you guys going forward. So if you can take the time out to give me a review and a rating on Amazon, then that would be massively, massively appreciated. So thank you very much. Um, okay, so I wanted to go into today's topic and to talk a little bit about night game because I've been doing a bit of night game recently um, to sort of explain my personal circumstances a little bit. I'm currently, uh, I'm, I'm on a kind of sabbatical from my corporate uh, alter ego life, if you like. Uh, so I'm here in Berlin, I'm going to some other places in the next month. Um, which kind of frees me up to do a little bit more night game perhaps than usual as well as day game um, and to bring you some fresh insights from the field if you like and to tell you how to, you know, to hopefully bring some value to you um, as a result of that. So um, I did a couple of night game things recently and I wrote an article yesterday actually on the website about... Uh, a party I attended in Berlin at Kit Kat Club on Saturday night. And it struck me, and I've also written about this for Return of Kings as well, so look out for that article this week. Um, something very fundamental about night game struck me, really, which is partly to do with the structure of a night out and how it generally works. But Basically, what it comes down to is this. Um, tiredness in the nightclub can actually really work in your favor for a number of reasons. So, I mean, a lot of guys and myself, I include myself in this as well, you know, will think, oh, you know, I'm really tired. I've got to go out to the, you know, I'm, now I'm supposed to go out to a club and I've got to talk to women and, you know, and I'm just too tired to do that. And I don't really, you know, I don't feel like it. And I'd rather just stay at home. Uh, and watch Netflix and all the rest of it. Um, and part of that, I think, is because you're genuinely tired, which is fair enough. Um, but another part of it is also, I think, you kind of think, I'm just not going to be effective when I get there because I'm tired, I'm kind of incoherent, I'm probably not making a lot of sense, um, I'm just not up to the kind of snappy... <clears throat> Um, repartee that I require in order to um, to do some really good game. Actually, counterintuitively, as is the case with, as we know, many things in the game, that's not necessarily true. You might be tired, you might be incoherent, 
you may not be making a lot of sense, but that in itself, or those things in themselves, won't necessarily prevent you from getting laid and from getting you know the good results that you want. And I realized this after, particularly after Saturday night, and as I say, it kind of struck me that it keys in or it sort of it sort of in, it meshes in with what the typical night out um, for night game looks like or generally how it looks for me anyway. So what I thought I'd do in this podcast is to sort of just talk talk around that a little bit really to talk about what a night out normally looks like uh, for me when I'm when I'm on one and what is actually advantageous in the field, what actually works as opposed to you know, what we think might work or we think should work. So, okay, so let's get into this. So I did a couple of, I, I, I did a transcontinental um, night game adventure on Friday and Saturday. So I did a night out in London um, at a, uh, a party and then I did, uh, the next day I did a night out in Berlin in, at the Kit Kat Club. So obviously in between that, I had to get a flight over to Germany and um, all the rest of it. So I was kind of tired um, on the Saturday, but I got into Berlin. I came to my place here, put the bags down, got an hour's sleep, went for a shower. I uh, did the five uh, things that you should do for uh, pre a night out going to meet girls. If you look at my website, you'll be able to see that article on there. Um so I, made, I prepped myself and went out and actually ended up having a really good night on the um, on the Saturday. And that was partly teed up by the Friday. So, okay, let, let me talk about the Friday. So Friday I went to um, a party in London called Killing Kittens. Now, this is quite a specific sort of event, and I'm not saying that this is going to be to everyone's taste or that it's necessary, this kind of thing is necessarily going to be available where you are because it depends – um, on the city where you are and what kind of parties they have. But Killing Kittens in London is effectively a upmarket swingers party, if you like. So it's a sex club, really, but it's um, supposedly targeted at, I, th I think on their website they call it the world's sexual elite, which is um, slightly, um, slightly humorous, uh, kind of hyperbole. Um, but nevertheless, you know, you, you have to sort of become a member of this, this organization. You have to send them a photograph or photographs and they kind of vet you. And if they think that you fit the bill, then you will be given membership and you'll be allowed to come to their parties. Now, um, I, I think in practice, I don't think the bar is, is set that high, uh, in terms of becoming a member because, to be honest, I mean, while there were some very beautiful people at the at that party the other night and previous ones I've been to, um, there's you know, I mean, I mean, it, the, the quality varies quite significantly. Let's say so, and they let me in, so you know, it can't be, uh, um, it, it it can't be that exclusive a club. But um, anyway, you know, it's a private members thing, and most of the parties they do are for couples. So you're meant to go with a partner or a girlfriend or whatever, and you turn up at the event and then uh, you can, you know, sex is, is encouraged and you can have sex with your partner or you can swap or you can, you know, do threesomes with other people or, you know, whatever it is. And they, they hold these things at different um, locations all over London. And I think they, they run it in New York now, um, in Spain, in different places around Europe. So 
it's kind of a worldwide thing, but um, predominantly it was certainly, I, I think London was the home city, if you like. Um, but anyway, they, they also do singles events once a month or once every six weeks. So I went to this singles event um, with a guy I became friends with, a wingman, um, who I became friends with at, at one of the previous parties. And, and we went to the event. And um, yeah, so this was a, and, and this is effectively night game, although obviously with that added extra because you've got this sort of sex element to it as well. And as time has gone on, I found that I've really enjoyed going to those kinds of parties. So things like Killing Kittens and also in London, Torture Garden and in Berlin, Kit Kat Club. And these kind of events... So the, the latter two are fetish events where, but they, you know, stroke sex party events, if you like, where, again, sex is um, not only permitted, but actually encouraged on the premises. Um, and I've found as I've gone on that I really enjoy going to those kinds of events for a number of reasons, partly because, I mean, the, the obvious, really, I mean, you can... You can have sex there. And, and the kinds of people that I think it attracts, by nature, the girls who go to these things tend to be kind of adventurous. You know, they're looking for adventure sex. They're up for something a little bit exciting. They're up for being a bit naughty. I mean, not everyone that goes to these events is a kind of a, um, a slut, as you might say, or a, uh, I don't know, um, a stereotypical nymphomaniac or a weirdo or a freaky fetish person. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, and, and this is an interesting thing about um, the Madonna whore complex. There's a lot of girls at these events who look like and who are, you know, normal girls, good girls, if you like, um, regular girls, but they've got the fantasy. They've got the Fifty Shades of Grey thing on their minds. You know, they want to have a bit of fun. They want to release their inner bad girl once in a while. So they'll go to one of these parties. And that's where, if you if you go along as well, you can capitalize on that by um, being there to be the mystery man who fulfills their fantasy. So, and you know, it, it kind of cuts to the chase. Um, you don't need to worry about bouncing her to another venue or taking her home. You don't need to worry about trying to get her contact details and then is she going to flake? Is she going to answer your call or your text message the next day and everything else? Because if you can escalate and you can um, successfully attract the girl and escalate and um, move things forward, then you can end up having sex with her there and then on the evening, which is obviously great. So um, a lot to recommend with these parties. Uh, check them out, see if there's anything like that in the area that, you, that you're living in. If there isn't, then you're unlucky. But if you travel to a big city in Europe or North America, it's likely there'll be a kind of event like this that you can go to. Anyway, all of that is um, a bit of a, a bit of a, an aside, really, because what I really want to talk about is night game. Now, regardless of the you know the, the nature of these venues. Um, Night game is still night game, really. I mean, you're out at night in a club environment. People are drinking. There's loud music. There's probably flashing lights and so on. Um, it's a disorientating environment. It's a fun, exciting environment. It's a it's a, it's an anonymous environment to a large extent because nobody knows each other. Obviously, it's a bunch of strangers for the most part together in the uh, in the club. Um, 
And how do you negotiate that environment in order to best meet the girl? Well, I mean, look, people have built whole careers on um, speaking exactly to that to that issue. Um, and I could go on for many, 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 many hours. Um, we could write books about it. We could do seminars and lectures about about how to pull girls in clubs. It's a massive, massive subject. Um, and obviously, I don't have the, the time to go into all of that now. But to simplify, the way that it works for me, and forget all of the cleverness, forget sort of clever lines or canned openers or memorizing scripts or DHVs and stuff. I mean, for me, what it's really about is momentum. And you build momentum in the club or the nighttime environment, um, basically by being sociable and allowing it to build over the night. So I'm going to use, um, so actually in the, um, the Killing Kittens example, um, we got there, it was a Friday night. I was kind of a bit tired. Um, as well, often for me, the, the case is, you know, I've been working all day, I've been writing or I've been doing some corporate work or, you know, I've been writing for, you know, for the website or, or doing a book or something. And I'm kind of in my head, you know, I'm not in that sociable mood. I'm not sudden, I don't suddenly turn into John Travolta just because, you know, I've stepped out of the house. A lot of the time I'm pretty tired and I'm kind of a bit like, oh fuck, I'm doing this again, you know. Um, so I need to... Um, transform that and make my, put myself into that sociable mood. So what I try to do and what I would recommend that you do is is to take it slowly, to take baby steps and to build it up throughout the evening. So I go to the club, I, I walk in, I put my coat in the coat check, I do whatever it is and then I go into the room and then when you go into the room, you know, you're going to see some hot, some girls around. You're going to maybe some hot girls. You're going to see guys. Uh, maybe the music's pumping, and it's all a bit, you know. And you think, ah, oh, you know, this is. You get that kind of feel. It's sinking feeling in your stomach of thinking, the venue is more powerful than you. You know, you think, how am I gonna, how am I gonna master this venue? What am I gonna do here to, um, to to get what I want? And and. Immediately when you do that, you're becoming outcome dependent, which is a bad thing. You know, you're going in there. And this is something that I have to battle against to this day, really. You know, you walk into the venue and you think, okay, I'm here to pull. I'm here to pick up. I'm here to meet a girl. You know, but it all looks a bit intimidating. It all looks a bit big and light and brash and loud. And, and what if I, what if I fail? What then? What does that say about me as a human being? You know, how how humiliating would that be? Um, and all of that is far, far, far too outcome dependent. And what I need to do and what you guys need to do as well is to put those thoughts to one side and take it back to basics, take it back to baby steps. You need to start to become social. So the way that I normally do this is by walking around the club and just saying hello to people. Really, that's it. I mean, just going around saying hi to girls. Uh, I used to do the high five thing, actually. Maybe I'll try that again um, this week. Uh, just going around kind of high fiving girls, saying, hey, how's it going? Not making any attempt to get into anything more complicated than that. Just, just saying, hey, you know, you look nice. I think I used that one a few times. 
kind of chody, but so what really, you know? I mean, all you're doing at that early stage is you are waking yourself up and you are getting yourself into that sociable mood. And then when you've done that for a bit, you should suddenly, you know, it, it kind of, because the world hasn't opened up and you haven't been swallowed up into a chasm and you're, you know, you're still, you're, you're still alive and, and you'll start to grow a little bit more confident. And also the likelihood is, you know, you'll go around and say hello to, to some of these girls and some of them will ignore you and they, they'll blank you, but others will smile and they'll say hi and maybe they'll giggle a bit or laugh and maybe you'll have gone into some slightly longer conversations. And so as a result of that, you will naturally feel your confidence starting to rise and your state starting to increase as well. Um, and you just keep doing that. Just keep doing that. Now, whether you drink or not in the venue is is up to you. I personally don't drink anyway. Um, I haven't done for a long time for health reasons. Um, so whether you do or not is a call you you have to make. I mean, what I would say is that if you're anything like uh, my buddy who I went out with the other night, he drinks and then gets drunk throughout the night. And if you start to get drunk, as opposed to just merry, then you become a lot less effective. You know, suddenly you're kind of, you, you know, your mind goes, you kind of can't really talk as articulately. You are sort of, you put yourself at a disadvantage. So I know some guys who are drinkers normally, when they're doing game, they don't drink. That's something to consider. Certainly, I would say, you know, keep it to a minimum, you know, a couple of drinks maybe, and then knock it on the head there. Or just don't drink at all, which is what I do. I just drink um, fizzy water or uh, diet cola or something like that. Um, yeah, so then, and then you want to start to initiate some slightly longer conversations with people. And you can do that with guys. Um, my wingman started chatting to um, a guy who was sitting opposite us in the club on Friday. Um, he turned out to be very friendly. He introduced us to his uh, girl and uh, a friend of hers, and we got chatting to those people as well. And, you know, it, it doesn't really matter too much the outcome of these conversations. It doesn't matter too much what happens. It's just the act of doing it in those early stages that's important. Um and then, and, and what you'll find as well is that while you're doing this, while you're warming up, everyone else is warming up as well. So the night is starting to gain traction and people are becoming more open and more sociable and frankly, probably a bit more drunk as well. So um, they are slightly easier to talk to. And then what I find is quite naturally, I reach a point where, you know, I'm ready to start some longer interactions with girls. I'm, re you know, I've seen some girls. They're cute. I'm feeling kind of horny. I'm, I'm switched on. My, my social ability has gone up. Um, I'm in a good space mentally, and I'm ready to sort of start to push the envelope a little bit. And it's at this point that I will start to be flirtatious towards girls. And the way that I was doing it um, over the weekend, well, I was doing two different things because on Friday in Killing Kittens, you're not meant to approach girls. So they have a rule because it's a, it's a female run event and there's this real focus on female pleasure and females, women being in charge and everything else. They have a rule that says that men are not supposed to approach women. Now, uh, 
how strictly observed that is, I am skeptical because I think actually guys do approach. Um, and we can get into a whole other conversation about this because I think the truth is guys do approach and, and you know, it, it's one of those unfair things where if you are, you know, you run the risk of a girl complaining basically. So if you are, to put it crudely, really unattractive, um, there's more of a chance you're going to get complained about. If you're really hot and you approach, she's not complaining. So <laughs> it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those slightly unfair things. And, um, you, you know, the, the way to, the way to get around it, if you're in this kind of, of, a, of an event is to approach with plausible deniability. So you can say hello, or you can say hi, or, ask a question or something like that. And then as long as it's plausibly deniable that you haven't just gone up to hit on her, you know. Um, but that's a, that's a very specific peculiarity of that particular night. So I won't dwell on that point. But the way that I was getting around it was I was calling out the elephant in the room. So I was going up to girls and saying, now I was saying, now listen, I would never ever normally approach a killing kittens because of course it's very much against the rules. However, I couldn't help but notice that you are wearing a very pointy uh, uh, mask or something like that. There was one girl with a, um, a mask that she was wearing, which had really pointy spiky bits coming out of it. So um, I sort of called out the elephant in the room. I would say, uh, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this, but I had to because, and then go into the conversation. And that worked for me really well. I opened um, a number of girls using that technique and they all smiled and found it, you know, quite funny. And, None of them objected, so it was absolutely fine. Um, so, yeah, so I was doing that. Um, and in um, Killing Kittens in Berlin, there was no, there's no such, um, you know, rule or anything like that. So approaching there is absolutely fine. So what I was doing in, um, in Killing, uh, sorry, in um, Berlin was I was going around and just being, overtly flirtatious so I was just going up to them and saying hey you look really dangerous um and then they say oh, really why is that and I'd say well it's because you're wearing red and then I'm thinking of one girl in particular here so there was this really really cute girl she's wearing a red underwear because this is the kind of party where girls are just wearing their underwear which is quite nice and um yeah, and I walked up to her and I'm like, you look really dangerous. She's like, why? You're wearing red. And my mother warned me about girls who wear red. And she said, yeah, maybe I am dangerous. And I said, where are you from? She said, Austria. And I said, that's even worse because my mother said, the girls from Austria, they are very, very beautiful. They are very, very elegant, but they are very, very crazy. And she looked at me and she said, I think your mother was right. And then... There was a split second pause and then she kind of lunged at me and we started making out and she was pressing her body against me. This kind of like, she was kind of sweating because it was hot and she's just wearing this little, little lingerie, you know, bra and knickers. And, um, uh, yeah, and she was all over me and she was making out with me for, you know, about a minute or so. Um, yeah, you know, nothing more complicated than that, really, um, because I made the approach sexual. It wasn't direct in the sense I didn't go up to her and say, oh, I think you're really beautiful. I, I, I want to get to know you more. 
um, you know, or, or something chody. I, but I made it sexual. I made it pretty clear that what my intent was. Obviously, along with this as well, there was the eye contact. There was the physicality. There was me being a masculine presence, standing in front of her, dominating the space, direct eye contact, you know, touching, touching her lower arm, um, upper arm, back, and so on, before we went into the makeout. Now, I have to say that, that unfortunately, that didn't go anywhere because um, she then turned around and there was a, a gay guy standing behind her and she said, oh, my friend's here now, I have to go. And she ran off with the guy. And... Um, I saw her again later and it kind of, it, you know, it, 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 it didn't fly. And, and unfortunately, you know, that's part of the, the price in night game. And one of the, the difficulties with night game, I find, is timing. Because when that happened, when we, when we got the make out, that was, um, I forget the exact time, but it was quite, it was not early, but it wasn't late in the night either. It was sort of in the middle of the night. And the problem with that is, what are you going to do? Because, you know, the normal advice would be to say, well, you need to escalate. You need to always be closing. You know, how are you going to close the deal? But it's unlikely the girl's going to leave with you um, in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of the night when she's there with her friends, when she's paid the cover charge. You know, maybe she's here on holiday and she really wants to go to this club or she wants to hear a particular DJ. So... Timing is key, really. Now, of course, because it was in um, this kinky club in Berlin where people have sex, you could say, well, you know, you should have escalated and tried to, you know, get her to have sex in the venue. Well, yeah, you know, but I, I, again, I mean, not every girl is going to be up for that. And you've got to, some girls going to be DTF down to fuck, Um there and then in the venue. Others just aren't. Uh, I think this girl was with friends. It would have been socially probably a bit awkward. Um, you know, for whatever reason, it just it, it just wasn't happening. But that's just part of the game. You know, you, you've got to work through these things. Um, yes, yeah, so, but anyway, obviously after that, um, I'm kind of like, my mental state is now really, really good. And I'm kind of walking around and I'm probably more cocky now because, and by the way, I should just, just if, as full disclosure, the, the night before in Killing Kittens, I, I did get, get laid in the venue with a girl uh, who I met in that club. Um, so off the back of that, I was feeling pretty cocky and confident this, this second night in Berlin. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm wandering around and, and, and after it, it, you reach a tipping point after which you don't really care very much what you're saying and the whole thing of oh what kind of clever line am I going to use or you know what stack am I going to use or you know what D D DHV stories am I going to pull out here and everything it all kind of fades into nothingness or it does for me anyway because when I'm on form I'm on form and I just don't give a, a damn and I'll say whatever comes into my head and then it becomes more about your vibe than it becomes than it is about the content of what you say. It becomes about owning the interaction, being dominant, saying what the hell you want to say uh, and not giving a toss and having her coming to your frame rather than you being into her frame. Um, so after that, you know, suddenly it becomes a lot easier because I'm just, you know I, know, I know this girl got off, this cute girl got off with me. I know that, you know, um, I feel like I'm looking good. I feel like, you know, I, I'm cocky. I feel like I can do this. I'm arrogant. You know, I'm wandering around. Um, 
and at this point as well, I'm you know I'm getting more tired because it's late at night. I've just you know I've, I've been through airports. I've been on a flight. You know, it's my first night in Berlin. I hadn't even had a lot of sleep the night before either because of the Killing Kittens event in London. Yeah, so you know I'm pretty knackered, but in a way that tiredness actually adds to it because it makes me care even less about what I'm saying. It makes me even less concerned with how I'm coming across. You know, I really don't give a fuck. And uh, furthermore, it also adds in the element that I kind of don't care that much if I get laid or not because on the one hand, yes, of course, it would be great to have sex and, you know, bring a girl home with me and have sex with her. But on the other hand... Equally, I'm feeling knackered. I could just as, as easily go to sleep and, you know, be quite happy with that. So you, you reach an almost zen-like point as your tiredness increases, as your confidence increases, and as your mood increases, all of those things together, where you really don't give a damn. And that is, I think, the sweet spot that you want to get to. If you think about douchebag game, alpha douchebag game, I called it in an article, I put out um, a while ago on my site. Uh, it was on Return of Kings as well, a couple of year or so ago. Um, you know, you think about the archetypal alpha douchebag guy. He doesn't give a fuck. Um, you know, that's it, really. He doesn't give a fuck. You know, he wants. You know, of course, he wants to get laid, but he doesn't. He's not concerned about the outcome with any particular girl. He can take it or leave it. What's that guy going to be like? You know, you think about what that guy's going to be like in terms of conversation. Is he going to be sitting at home memorizing openers and, um, you know, conversational gambits to stack and demonstrations of higher value um, stories and anecdotes? Is he, is he going to be sitting there piecing it all together? No, of course he isn't because he doesn't care. Um, and one of the best interactions of the night for me was, well, there was two actually, but towards the end of the night, um, this Aust- another Austrian girl I got talking to, and I'm so tired by this point, and I'm just like, you know, I just don't give a, t- give a toss, I just want, kind of want to go home. And we're chatting and um, at, about some bullshit, and she was getting ready to go, and I said, um, she said, so what are, you, um, what are you doing in Berlin? And I said, well, I come back and forth a bit, you know, I live in London, but I come here quite a bit. Uh, and she said, why? And I, I was just so tired. And so I, I couldn't even be bothered to try and think of anything funny or, uh, you know, witty to say or anything. I just kind of went, um, ugh, it's complicated is what I said. And she kind of laughed and she said, well, sort it out. And then, um, she lunged for me and she starts making out with me. Now, if you wrote that down on a piece on paper, if you if you wrote an ebook saying this is my great pickup technique, this is my great line, you know, why are you in Berlin? It's complicated. You know, it's rubbish. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. It's not clever. It's not funny. It's not it's not anything. It's just stupid. You know. But in saying something like that, what you're demonstrating is that you don't mind coming across as stupid. You don't mind coming across as um, inarticulate and not particularly funny because you're not trying hard at all why aren't you trying hard because you don't care and if you don't care then suddenly you set yourself yourself apart from 99% of the other guys that she's spoken to in the venue that night 
because every other guy has been invested in the outcome. Every other guy has been using every element of the interaction to think, okay, how can I get into this girl's knickers? If you are the first person who genuinely doesn't care and doesn't communicate any neediness at all and doesn't look as if he's trying too hard, then suddenly you set yourself apart. You look like the alpha douchebag that's quite sexy and quite, you know, uh, that, that sort of gets her curiosity peaked, that gets her excited. And then you're in with a much better chance than if you'd have come out with some nicely polished, you know, 15 minute set that you've uh, memorized at home in front of the mirror. So I'll leave it there, but I hope that that made some sense. Um, tiredness in and of itself won't necessarily harm your chances with meeting girls out in the field. What will harm your chances is an over-dependence in, uh, sorry, an over-concern with the outcome. So if you can avoid that, then you will put yourself in a much better position to get the results that you want when you go out for a night game. And also, incidentally, to some degree, the same thing applies within day game as well. What we want to be getting to, guys, is to a state of not giving a fuck and having that shine through in every aspect of our presentation, from the way we look, to the way we speak, to the things we talk about, to the manner in which we speak, and so on. So I will leave it there. I hope that you enjoyed this week's show. I look forward to speaking with you guys again next week. And please do drop me a line on uh, via my website or on Twitter with any comments or suggestions or questions that you may have. Okay, bye-bye.